Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Welcome to the show. So happy you're tuning into Dose of Leadership, another Equity Bank-sponsored special series on entrepreneurship and leadership here on Dose of Leadership. Man, I really enjoyed this conversation today with Rodney Horton. And one thing, you know, I was adding up the tallies and between this show and some local interviews and other things that you may not have heard, I've interviewed over 400 people. And it's hard to believe I've had that many conversations. And, you know, it's always funny. You would think that, you know, I've had some big names on this show. And actually, the big names aren't really the mo- my most fun conversations. I mean, they're good because it, it gets uh, attention to the show. But some of the most magical conversations happen with people you don't even know. The every everyday um, hustler, average Joe, CEO, someone you never heard of. And those, those are my most fun conversations. And this one stuck out to me. Rodney was one of those guys. And it's one of those conversations I'm not going to forget. Because Rodney, uh, you don't know who he is if you're outside of Wichita, probably. Uh, he is an IT executive. And he's an entrepreneur, and he's he's doing he's wearing two hats, and uh, I empathize with that because even in my entrepreneurial journey, sometimes these entrepreneurship circles sometimes are cliquish, and if you're not a Cortez, burn the boats and throw everything to the wind, you're not a true entrepreneur. I've run into some of those guys and and gals, and um, I don't ascribe to that. I think we're all entrepreneurs and leaders at heart naturally some of us are better than others obviously but i think we're obviously we have those traits we had to as uh, growing up in prehistoric states we had to figure out ways we had to figure out when our backs against the wall we're in the mud we had to figure out how to get away from the wall and out of the mud and that takes entrepreneurship and that takes leadership and rodney's one of those guys he spent the last 20 years working on his it management career and real estate business on the side and he hails from a working class family in southeast kansas didn't really grow up with much and moved to Wichita in 1993 and he didn't know anyone. He lived in a one-bedroom apartment, worked at a fast food restaurant, went to Wichita State, and then we got involved in student life and the fraternity and started surrounding himself with people that uh, he said, man, I've never been around guys like this, guys with ambition, tenacity. And it eventually helped him create a network and a place to call home. And after he graduated from Wichita State with honors, he went to the military, enlisted instead of graduate school, which I thought was pretty brave. And he did a short stint with the Army and then back to Wichita to begin a family and work in the IT industry. And since then, he's moved on to own Can of Wine and Cocktails, the craft cocktail and wine bar, and Shift Auto Society, which is basically a country club for car guys, so both in downtown Wichita. And in addition to that, remember behind the scenes, he started acquiring real estate slowly and surely, and that was kind of the beginning of his entrepreneurial journey. He has plans to acquire more commercial real estate in the near future in downtown he enjoys a challenge, and he continues to grow his side businesses while balancing out his day job, helping customers leverage IT investments and business objectives. He has got on his he had has received his master's of management of information systems from Friends University, and he's been honored at the uh, Wichita Business Journal's Forty Under Forty. And I like this conversation because he resonates with me because he, I I doing the same thing. I'm trying to balance his career in the airline industry and do the side hustle with the business and the entrepreneurial stuff and deal with the family. And it's a challenge. And so I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. I know there are many of you out there that are like that, that are trying to do that. They're trying to better themselves, whether in the corporate position, 
become better leaders, better entrepreneurs. And I think this is one of those episodes that's going to resonate with you. Rodney is just a fantastic conversation and a great man. The show is brought to you by Equity Bank. It's been fun to watch Equity Bank here in Wichita grow into one of the fastest growing banks in the Midwest. They really do know what it takes to start and grow a business. And a lot of times, banking industry, I'll be honest, they're not that good at it, right? I think Equity Bank's a little different. They've been now listed on the NASDAQ exchange, and they have locations all across Kansas, as well as Oklahoma, Missouri, Arkansas. And I truly believe that this team at Equity Bank knows how to lead for growth. And so if you feel like your current bank just doesn't get it, if they're more of a follower than a leader, they don't really seem to understand your needs as a small business owner, then you want to go work with a bank that really understands your needs. I seriously suggest that you check out Equity Bank at equitybank.com. They've been a great supporter of the show, and I'm honored to have them uh, partnering with me on this show. Thanks for listening, and let's join our conversation with Rodney Horton here on this special entrepreneurial series brought to you by Equity Bank. Rodney, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Welcome, my friend. Thanks. You know, sitting there, I know this is going to be a great conversation. My curiosity uh, nodules are in overdrive right now, learning. There's so much I want to know about you. So you grew up where? In southeast Kansas? Yeah. So I grew up in uh, kind of down by Gerard and Pittsburgh, and then I actually graduated from Yates Center High School. Okay. So. What brought you here? I went and played uh, junior college football at Hutch and went Two years there, and then came to Wichita State. So Wichita and, State, and the dream was what when you were going it's, to Wichita State, coming it, in here, playing football. What were you, what was the dream? Well, it's it's funny. So I worked at a law firm, and I was a philosophy major, and I thought I actually wanted to be a lawyer. Really? Why a lawyer? You know, uh, Southeast Kansas is a pretty depressed place, and in my head, a lawyer made a lot of money. And yeah. And that scene, and you know, I like to argue, and that was just kind of a <laughs> no-brainer. But then, uh, when I worked for a law firm and saw the work, it I knew it wasn't for me. Yeah, you know, it's interesting that you said lawyer because there's a lot of um, this is kind of a side note, but a lot of uh, potential coaching clients or people that seek out leadership coaching are lawyers or lawyers people. They're usually between thirty-seven and 55, and they're like, man, I don't want to be a lawyer anymore. <laughs> and they all signed up to be a lawyer for the same thing because they thought, oh, they make a lot of money, yeah. right? Yeah. But they weren't tied into their purpose, right? Right. So, so what do you think your purpose is then? Kind of that like you said, okay, I don't want to be a lawyer. You're kind of chipping away and finding out what your purpose was. What do you think it, what do you think it is or was at the time? At the, at the time? I, yeah. I really was, you know, I also worked with some law enforcement agencies, and I really – I kind of thought that would be a stepping stone to kind of like the FBI or right. Secret Service or something cool like that. I had a lot of – I have a lot of military service in my family, and I thought, well, if that didn't work out, you know, maybe I can go into law enforcement or something like that. And I took the LSAT. You know, I got basically uh, admitted to a couple schools. I did really well at WSU and ended up – Saying, you know what, I'm going to quit all that and I am going to go into the military, which kind of blew people's minds because I had a graduate scholarship. And wow, I, you know, as a Wichita State senior honor man, you know, they pick like five people a year for that. And it's kind of a prestigious time. And I was, I was super excited. I mean, I'm a big Wichita State guy and uh, I just wanted to have that military as part of my story. And uh, I can dig it. Sure it went. Yeah. You know, because that's kind of the same thing. It's like I, when I look back at why I joined the Marine Corps. 
I think a lot of people outside of it thought, oh, well, he needed money for college. And I'm like, no, it was like I wanted to be part of something bigger than myself, right? That's what was driving me. That's what I'm hearing from you on the Army thing, right? 100% service. Yeah. Yeah. And so did you get your degree then go in the Army? Yep. Were you an officer or enlisted? No, I went enlisted as an E-4. Yeah, yeah. I I went to uh, DLI in uh, Monterey and I was – What's DLI? I don't know what that uh, is. Defense Language Institute. Okay. So oh, yeah. Okay. They trained. Uh, so I went in as a Russian linguist. I came out as an IT guy because <laughs> I had IT as a hobby. And back in 96, if you knew anything about a computer, yeah, suddenly you were, you're the IT guy. Yeah. And that kind of jump-started my career into IT. Yeah, it's funny. I was a computer science major at Wichita State. Oh. Graduated in 91. And I had that computer science stink on me throughout the military, like when they did had some side job or what like, oh, it's a computer guy. And I'm like, I don't you know. Yeah, you always get labeled to, you know, you, but it's kinda like I found it's, and pilots are the same way. I found like computer science guys and pilots guys, they make the job seem harder than it really you know what I mean? Because oh, you yeah. got that because people are so scared of <laughs> that. Interesting. So you, the IT experience how many years were you in the army then? Two. Two. And so you took that experience and parlayed that into yeah, doing so, IT stuff? Yeah, I came out and uh, I actually went um, – I worked on a farm a little bit when I first got back. And I got a job testing some software. And then I eventually got a job at the state of Kansas at the 18th Judicial District here in Wichita. Right. Took care of, I don't know, at the time, 23 judges or something like that for a couple of years. And then I moved over to Cedric County and, and kind of finished out there as the deputy CIO. And then so what about – when's the entrepreneurial bug start kicking in? So when I worked at the county, I slowly started buying little rental houses here and there. I mean, just small format, you know, 800 to 1,000 square feet, you know, thirty to $60,000 houses. Nothing crazy, mostly on the southeast side because that's where I lived the whole time I was in Wichita. I lived in little apartments and stuff right. over there and kind of knew that area and was comfortable with it and – and so the idea was flipping or renting? It was always renting. Yeah. 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 So building up assets. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And how did that go? It actually went fairly well because I was working at the county a fair amount. So that was kind of a passive income kind of deal. So I would buy one, clean it up, fix it up, get it rented, get it moving. And then I would basically pull some equity out of that one, buy the next one. Same thing, rinse and repeat. And the next thing you know, you've got a pile of them, and it worked well. You know, it's a classic kind of um, scenario to kind of get the entrepreneur. It probably revealed the entrepreneur that was already inside inside of you. I th- I'm a big believer that I hear, particularly locally, I've seen a lot of people say, "Well, you either have it or you don't." I don't know if I agree with that. In fact, I don't agree with that. I think I think more people are innately entrepreneurial. It just needs to be revealed. What do you think about when I say that? Would you agree? I I do agree. I think uh, you're right. I mean, unless – I mean, for me, it was, I guess, a long road getting there because I I always thought about owning a a business or, you know, how can I shape this or change that? And you can't do that as an employee. Right. I mean, you just can't. You You can be a contributor. You know, you can even be a little bit of a player coach, but you, you're not going to change the bottom line. And, and I was working in a place where, and you're just not, you, you don't get that immediate uh, feel mm-hmm. of value. Mm-hmm. And I can drive by a house and look at it. You know, it's not like a stock on the stock market. You know, I had my stuff in, in a retirement fund. And then 
if you want to roll some paint on a door, you can see that immediate change and you can feel that value change. And right. I just, and I like working with my hands. It's just, I grew up right. kind of in a blue collar environment mm-hmm. and I just, it kind of fed all those things at once for me. That so. makes sense. That resonates with me. You saying that mm-hmm. I get it, but I, I kind of, it's, it's kind of like the same journey for me, but I think back to, I don't know, 18, 19 high school, early college thinking, yeah, I, I want to be, I want to have my own business. I want to control my own destiny. But then there was always always a little voice, a limiting belief voice saying, oh, it's too impossible because I didn't come from that stock or I didn't grow up on the that side of the, the city right. or I didn't have those connections. Mm-hmm. And so there was always a limiting belief voice telling me you don't belong in this room. Did any of that ever happen to you along the way? Oh, yeah. I mean, when I moved, when I moved to uh, Wichita, I mean, I didn't know one person. I worked at Dairy Queen. I mean, I was in a one-bedroom apartment. I mean, so sure. I mean, I didn't think – I didn't know what I was going to do past Dairy Queen at the time. I mean, I'm work, I'm going to school. And, uh, you know, I got involved actually with a fraternity, which kind of changed everything almost overnight. I was doing well in the class, and the guy told me about a fraternity. And, and I was like, you know, I never thought about that. Same thing. I'm not – you know, I think of fraternity guys as these, you know – Silver Spooners and all this stuff. Exactly. You know, I'm from Southeast Kansas. What do I know? And I, I go to this, and these guys are really good, and they're driven, and uh, they've got goals. And and I suddenly had, you know, 30 friends, and we're doing things socially. And it's like, man, this is – I had my team back, right, because I played sports. And, and uh, that really made a big change in my life, honestly. It's interesting, and I and – I, I want to emphasize this point because you said it almost changed instantaneously and it shows you the power of surrounding yourself mm-hmm. by the right people. You know what I mean? Getting to oh, know yeah. the right people and surrounding yourself by, you know, you're, you're the summation of the five people you're hanging around with, right? Yep. And I, I say that all the time. And I know from my own personal experience, if you drastically want to change how your life is looking, start take an honest look of who you're hanging around with right now and then think about how you want to be. Start hanging around those type of people, right? Yeah. 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 Did that happen in the real? So here you are, you're starting to kind of accumulate because that's its own little community too. Yeah. You know, you get all these people who are building up these, you know, and there's so many great success stories of people. That's how people started, you mm-hmm. know, so many great entrepreneurs started that way. Did you start seeing that when you were doing it? I mean, at the time you were probably just, Hey, uh, you know, I'm going to build up this little assets to have, give myself a little security. But did you start meeting people? I mean, did you? Did I did, but I mean, to me, the lo- Yes. I mean, networking has always been important to me, but life is kind of like one long series of habits. And it was forcing me to have habits that were, I don't want to say healthy, but like that would actually add to my success. So if I would go meet someone or if I, you know, had a business meeting or if I looked at a piece of property, I had an objective, you know, and I had a reason to do that over and over. And I found a way to make that a repeatable yeah. thing. So it was almost like muscle memory. I mean, I, I got to the point where I could look at a house. I could walk through it in two minutes and know exactly what I would have in that thing, how much I would rent it for, and if it was a good deal or not. And, you know, that's why realtors love me because I would walk out of there and let's sign a contract and here's the amount. I mean, almost every time I would – I'd write a contract. Now, I might lowball it because that – you know, that sure. sliding scale had changed, but um, I was always in motion and I was, I'd use that habit of just understanding and talking to realtors and understand the market and becoming a student of the industry that um, 
that worked out really well for me. I like that because it shows the, the power of confidence, right? I mean, mm-hmm. oh, in, yeah. in, it's just in, in the beginning, you probably didn't have it. And I think that's no. a challenge that people don't, where well, they don't take that step because to become confident, you got to have, you know, you get it obviously through time and experience, but how do you take that first step? And I think sometimes it's suspending the belief and you just do it, right? I mean, yeah. it sounds simple to say this here, but I think right. that's what leaders do, great entrepreneurs, great leaders, people who want to lead significant lives. They just like, I don't know how this is going to happen. I'm just going to do it, right? And you're yeah. not afraid of, you're not afraid of skin in the knees or, no. or, or getting hit in the chin, right? No, and every uh, position I've had, I never had it before I had it. I tell exactly. people that sometimes. They're like, well, how are you? You know, I was 20, I don't know, six or something when I was deputy CIO at Cedric County. And I'm like, how are you? You know, there's 105 people and it's, you know, you got all these things you're thinking about. How are you going to pull this thing off? And I'm like, because I have to, <laughs> right? I mean, I've never done it before, but I never owned a rental house. And, you know, and now I own a wine bar. I've never owned a wine bar. I mean, you know, I'm working on things I've never done. And, and now I embrace that. The older I get, the yeah. more I want that life experience or even the challenge. Sometimes I'm like, you know what? I want to figure this out. Yeah. And it might be tough, but it is that confidence thing. I, that resonates. With, in fact, it gave me chills thinking about that because I just remember thinking when I was 18, 19, 20 and how that kind of resistance or that limiting belief held you back. But once you break through that resistance, it it, it does almost become addicting because, mm-hmm. you know, you're not, I, I don't even, I'm not afraid of making mistakes or failing. I, I'm just, who cares? Right. right. Yeah, and I think if that's probably the, probably the most frustrating for me with me with my kids is just, and everybody's got to get there on their own, right? And at some point, but once you get past it, the fear and uncertainty may never go away. You will always have the butterflies in the stomach, but it's kind of like that lets me know I'm I'm alive and I'm doing something, right? It's like yeah. I, I relish I relish the the uncertainty. I guess does that make sense? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I think the. You know, the mystery is part of the fun. Yeah. 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 And it's the whole Zen thing. I mean, it's the trip getting there. It's not really the destination. Yeah, it is. It is the trip. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. So, okay. So the the building of the, the real estate led to what? What what was the next kind of, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this. I've never done it before, but I'm going to try it. Yeah. So I'd, I'd done that over the last several years. And I've... I started to move more towards a few little commercial properties here and there and, and just try to, you know, I'd never, once again, never done that. How is that different? You know, how is it similar? And and I just kind of dipped my toe into that and, and found out that that was, that was neat too in a different way. Yeah. Um, but a lot of it was through learning, you know, and, and the network that I'd created was, you know, I, I knew people, Hey, you know, if, if there's a building like this and, you know, I'd be happy to rent or whatever. And I was, Oh, I'll just go look for one, you know. And yeah. next thing I know, you know, uh, I'm filling a need. You know, it's one of those, you know, find a need, fill a need. It's right. a market, free market deal, and and I'm big into that. You know, if there's something that Wichita needs, I mean, I'm constantly. I mean, every day I'm driving down the road and I'm just thinking, man, why don't we have one of these? Or or would that work here? Or you know, I wonder why. You know, those sorts of. I mean, I'm constantly just grinding like that in my mind. It's yeah. not. You can't be everything to everybody, but it does make me wonder sometimes. Hey, we're about halfway through the conversation, but I wanted to take the time to talk about my good friends, the sponsor here of the special series at Equity Bank. Have you ever noticed that most business bankers seem to really understand just one thing? It's banking, right? And not a lot about business. It makes sense since most banks were built generations ago and now they're often run by 
caretakers, not business builders. Well, it's not the case here at Equity Bank. The bankers at Equity Bank didn't inherit a bank generations ago. They built one of their own. They know that building something takes expertise, vision, and hard work. And over the past decade, they've built one of the region's fastest-growing banks by working side-by-side with customers, with entrepreneurs, with leaders in communities all throughout Kansas, Missouri, Arkansas, and Oklahoma. Recently, Equity Bank was listed on the NASDAQ exchange, which gives them even greater capabilities to take on those big deals that growing businesses need to keep on growing. So if you're tired of talking to bankers who've never really ran or owned or built a business, then I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised when you talk to my friends at Equity Bank. Thanks for listening to this show. Let's get back to the conversation, this unique and special series on leadership and entrepreneurship brought to you by my friends at Equity Bank. Looking at the world with different glasses, I like that mm-hmm. you said that. That resonates with me too. It's like, how do you? It's having that insatiable desire to. Well, what is? What do they want? How come we don't have? What's the need? How do you <laughs> feel it? Right? Yeah. Were you always that way, or did that kind of just that come through time? You think? I, you know, I, I feel like I'm, I've always been curious, just yeah. given you know the background of being a problem solver and trying to understand the world, but. As I get older, the more, and I don't want to call it, I guess I should call it wisdom, you know, as I've gained more wisdom and understand the market and understand the local players and everything from the political, you know, environment to the, you know, the actual business environment and all those things combined, being able to look through multiple different lenses at the same problem that you've developed over time gives you an insight that is pretty darn powerful. In fact, I have some people that will come to me and say, hey, man, what do you think of this? And as I've gotten older, deals come to you, right? Like they, people will come to you either for, you know, what you know or how you do it or, and I, and I'm a free, I'll I'll tell you anything I've done and, and uh, I'm happy to help you because I think all, all boats rise. And if we can make Wichita a better place, if someone want, you know, I I talk about the wine bar, but if a wine bar opens up two doors down, I'm okay with it. You know, I always embrace competition, but better yet, it's going to bring more people to that block and to that building and to the surrounding businesses. And I'm just, uh, I'm in the consulting world and, and there's two ways you can go with consulting. I do a lot of demand generation events. So we're doing lunch and learns and I'm educating customers and showing them behind the curtain, so to speak, and kind of how all this stuff works. And I've always believed that an educated customer is a better customer right. and you're helping them. Yeah. And the other belief is don't tell me anything. It's your secret sauce and you better protect that. And I can tell by the way that you approach your business that you're an open book and you're happy to yeah. help people and you're, fr- you know, freely distributing information. So you, I love everything you're saying because you're absolutely right. It is about adding Value. You want to be a person of influence. You want to be an organization of influence. You want to be a city of influence, whatever. It's about adding value. And I think you're right. I think the people that, I don't know, let their, we all have an ego, but when I say ego driven, it's like, it's all about them. It's about the next um, step. It's the next uh, level or control or power or acquisition or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a selfish motive, right? That's oh, not yeah. sustainable. There are some people that do not want Wichita to progress because it is their little sandbox. They've uh-huh. been comfortable with it. They, they've they made a good life here, and they're like, I want to keep Wichita, quote, unquote, Wichita. And it's like, well, that's 
Great, but, you know, and the scooters are a great example, you know, there's people on both sides of that deal, but, you know, progress is going to happen. Yeah. And, I mean, you can get in the way or you can, you know, you can get on the bus or get ran over by it. Yeah, there's not a lot of space for, like, well, I wish things used to be this way. Right. Because right? it's, it's impossible. Because all, all we have is this present moment. That's all you have. I mean, right. and to even sit there and wish it was like this is a waste of energy. And even kind of fretting over how it might be is a waste of energy. <laughs> this is where we're at right now. And let's see what happens. You know what I mean? Yeah, let's make the best of it. Make the best of it. Yeah. And let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. But it is, at, the, at the base of it or at the foundation of it has to be this mindset or this belief that we have an obligation to make things better than we found it. And that's what I'm sensing from you. I mean, I'm, I'm listening oh, yeah. to what you're saying. And it's like you're not ego-driven. You're not doing this for your own. I mean, you like the challenge. You're insatiably curious. Things that I don't know if you can teach people or not. But that's I've always debated that even in myself. It's like right. how do you teach somebody to be curious? I was, I've always been curious, right, reading this and that. Right. And I see that in you mm-hmm. and I hear that in you. But then you couple that with this this kind of mindset of like, our obligation is to – every transaction that I have with another human being is about adding value. And that's what I'm hearing you say. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and just I think as in your last podcast or one before where you talked about leaving the campground better than you found it. Yeah. And, you know, I've got children. I don't want to believe Wichita because it's not cool enough or whatever, the, whatever mm-hmm. it might be, you know. And I do feel like we have an obligation to – not only our own kids and, and our neighbor's kids, but just to the generations that are coming down the line that are like, you know, I remember when the river looked like this, or I remember, you know, I mean, we've made some significant progress. I mean, Wichita has made some significant progress in, in a not so long of a timeline. No, it's- and if you look at the trajectory and the plans and just feeling the excitement downtown, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah, the mo- there is a momentum there Yeah, that – what I would even say it wasn't there five years ago. I mean, it's, it's I agree. The, the last five years have seen a significant change in momentum. I think in perception, which is a huge part of it, because perception is reality for mm-hmm. a lot of Wichitans here in any city. But I mean, I think the perception has always been, oh, we always kind of suck. Right. And we'll never do this and that. I think that bubble's starting to shift a little bit based on, I mean, you can tell just by the amount of housing units that are, I mean, it's crazy. You know, and 30 years ago, and where we're sitting right now, probably would have been, you know, crack alley or full of, you know, absolutely vagrants, and you wouldn't even want to walk down where we're sitting right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, I I agree with you, and I think that is there is a a mindset with the right amount of people and the right amount of leaders of like we need to make this place better than we found it, and suspending the belief in how it's going to happen, just know it's going to happen. I think that's key to leadership. Do you see yourself as a leader? I mean, you had some at that time in the Army, but I don't know if uh, I'm talking to you. I don't know if you consciously, intentionally think about leadership on a daily basis. I don't, think I, I do. don't intentionally think of it. Now, what I do, I guess if I had a passion, it, it really is getting people around a common interest. Which and is leadership, which is, that's the definition of leadership is influence. And that's what that well, is. Well, I, I mean, so I guess that's what my caveat is if that's leadership, then absolutely I'm a leader because yeah. I like to find people that want to do the same mission. Yeah. You know, and if it's my mission and they want to help me, great. If it's their mission and I can help them, great. But I want to be a part of the team doing something. Yeah. Um, you know, and I say that being a guy without, many partners and many employees and all this, but 
it's true. I mean, I really, you know, this shift concept and the wine bar and just some of these different groups that I'm a part of or created are all around that. It's always a central theme. And, you know, it might just be for education or it might be for betterment or it might be for the entire community, but it's a mission. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, that is the definition. Well, how we, how I define it on the show and how I define it. You're right. I mean, inf- it's all about influence and adding value. That's, I think a lot of times when people think of leadership, they think of, you know, they look at, at presidents or CEOs and this and that. And that's just a small aspect of it, right. you know. And some of it's not great leadership. I think the great leadership, the great leaders are the ones that, like you just said, like you articulated, they think, I can't do this by myself. You know, and I think too often we think, oh, to fix this, we need to bring in some larger-than-life figure to swoop in like the Lone Ranger and save the day. And I think that's that's not sustainable. That may fix it in a short term and get some juice flowing. But the real sustainable leaders are the ones that are like, hey, it ain't about me. It's about the team. It's about how do we how do we get the, the guys in the front line to make things happen, right? Because mm-hmm. that's where it is happening. Yeah. That's where the opportunities are. That's where the solutions lie. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't lie in the ivory tower right. with the NBA. And a lot of them isn't. You're not really doing anything other than removing obstacles and giving them resources and getting out of their way. That's that's, that's the other key. thing I do. I am not a micromanager by any means. I'm like, yeah. I'm hiring you to do this job. Tell me if you need anything, and if there's any obstacles, let me help you. You know, push the rock out of the way. Otherwise, you know, go out and you know. Yeah, that's kick butt. That is every everything you said there is is what it's all about removing obstacles. I think if the more senior leaders in the city and organizations realize that it ain't about them, it's about removing obstacles to let the people who are touching the customer, facing the customer, touching the product, developing the product. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean you can set the vision of where you want to go and where right. it needs to be. That is your job. No, I like it. Yeah, you definitely have leadership qualities that I wish wish more. Corporate types would have, yeah. yeah. So that's good. So what's next for you? What are you excited about? You've got so list the businesses that you or the, the groups and the business that you have right now. What do you? What do you? What so, do you have? So right now I've got kind of the real estate company I've kind of talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Renegade Realty, and then I'm I've got a, a commercial side of that that's growing. I'm, I'm investing in downtown Wichita, so I'm I'm a believer. I'm doing what I'm saying I'm going to do. Uh, I own some stuff down here, and, and I continue to acquire more. Um, and then I've got Shift Auto Society, which is a country club for car guys, if you will. It's a luxury storage facility f- four blocks from here, you know, down here by the arena that has, uh, you know, indoor wash bay, indoor repair lifts, storage lifts, uh, clubhouse. And that place will be a nice little collection of, you know, Common-minded people that want to use it as a venue, use it as a storage facility. I mean, you name it. it it'll be a pretty neat place. And then uh, Cana Wine and Cocktails is over on Broadway Street, which is also right down here. All the stuff south of Douglas, um, kind of in the arena district. And it's a craft uh, cocktail and wine bar. And, you know, I've got the best employees in the city working there. I mean, they're unbelievable, the amount of skill I, my eyes were open so much to all this stuff but uh you know my bartender there and and her staff are just unbelievable that's great 
How long has that business been around? So that's uh, less than a year. We're, we're coming up on our year here in September. Um, so that was a interesting undertaking. That's one of those things where you're being challenged, right? Like I didn't know anything about a liquor license and zoning and, you know, bonds and just stuff. I just didn't know anything about. But it's been a, a fun ride. Wichita is one of those deals where Wichita needed a place like that, in my opinion. You know, you're driving around. You're like, hey, where can I just get a good drink? Not a not a restaurant. Yeah, an actual drink. drinking establishment. A nice drink, like you would get. You know, in a I want to go get an lobby bar and yeah, yeah, a good old fashioned. Perfect example. That's a pretty short list of places. If you just want to go in and have a drink and not you know walk past a steak and a you know or or you feel like oh man I'm walking into you know. A nice steak restaurant, and I'm going to walk straight to the bar and, you know, feel like a bum or whatever and have a drink and then walk out. I mean, this place you walk in and, you know, and if you think about it, it's it's just – it has a feel like nowhere else. I mean, there's chandeliers and velvet couches and, you know, females really like it and they kind of flock there. And it's just a nice – it's a nice place. Very cool. Yeah. So what's next? What are you excited about next? Or what's what, – if you could project the future, what, what does it look like? I'm uh, – I'm working on a large, um, for me anyway, real estate transaction in downtown, which are right on Douglas. Um, that's going to be a big deal for me because I'm actually going to relocate there. I'm going to sell my house. I'm going to move to downtown Wichita and live uh, live out what people are talking about. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. So that's going to change my life substantially. And grow my business at the same time. So it's kind of a twofer, right? Yeah. So I'm kind of excited to not have a yard. I've done all that stuff. I've got a senior in high school and a senior in college, and I'm real close to being an empty nester and, and you know, kind of transition into that part of my life, which will honestly make me even more dangerous because, then, you know, <laughs> right. sometimes some of the stuff I get over my skis a little bit, I'm like, all right, well, I still got to think about, you know, my son or my daughter. But, um, but honestly, I just want to keep, doing these things I really have a passion around. Yeah. So I'm lucky enough to be able to do that now. Well, the city's lucky to have you and, and uh, you know, your your level of intensity, your passion, your inquisitiveness, your curiosity, your uh, ability to just go out and try new things is what's needed, I think, from a leadership perspective, also from the community, you know. So I appreciate you uh, and what you're doing. And I think you're a perfect fit for this show on Dose of Leadership. Right. You asked the question for years, like, why me? Yeah. Uh, you've answered that question in spades. I mean, it's exactly why, uh, because you are uh, the type of leader we like to, to highlight here on, on Dose of Leadership. So I appreciate you coming on the show. Well, thanks a lot. Hey, thanks for coming on. You bet. Hey, thanks for listening to this special entrepreneurial and leadership series, The Dose of Leadership, brought to you by my friends at Equity Bank. Make sure you, to subscribe to Dose of Leadership where you can hear more great stories in this unique and special series. If you're enjoying this podcast, please take a listen to all of my Dose of Leadership podcasts, all of my episodes, and see why Fortune, Entrepreneur, and Inc. Magazine all recommend this as a must-listen. Dose of Leadership features candid conversations with amazing guests, leading high-performing experts and organizations, large and small, all over the world. Find Dose of Leadership on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, and go ahead and visit doseofleadership.com where you can find out more information about the show, myself, my speaking engagements, my keynotes, live seminars, and my mastermind events. Thanks for tuning in, and have a great day.